Hi, this is Jeff. And this is Mariana. And we're professional storytellers who love books. Welcome to Fiction Friends. Where we take a deep dive into the most popular fiction titles in all of literature. From classic reads and old-time favorites. To modern romance and contemporary thrillers. Join us as we discover new ways to read, look at, and talk about books. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with every new release. Hi everyone! So for this episode, we're doing another Taylor Jenkins read. And her more popular title includes Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones and the Six. So for this time around, we're going to review... Malibu Rising. Yep, yep. Woo-hoo! So, um, we usually start. Tell us what this is about. Yeah, so that's how we usually start the <laughs> podcast. We will go. We will do a spoiler-free summary. Yes. So don't worry, it's spoiler-free. Of course. Uh, yeah. So, a Malibu Rising is a story about an epic annual party that's being thrown by the Riva siblings on one fateful night in 1983. So uh, the way that the book is written is like the main plot. It happens over the course of just one night. Um, so it's a, yes. an hour by hour narration of the events of that night and all of the relevant yes. backstories that add more context and yeah. weight to the greater narrative. So there are a lot of flashbacks and you know stuff like that um, just to make the current events yes. more interesting. Um, the Riva siblings are Nina, Jay, Hud, and Kit. Each of them with distinct personalities, backgrounds, and aspirations. But there's one thing that ties all of them together, and they are all the children of a world-renowned singer named Mick Riva. And if you're a reader of former Taylor Jenkins Reid books, you would know that name yes. because he is actually one of the husbands of Evelyn Hugo. You can also find him in the other Taylor Jenkins Reid book, Daisy Jones and the Six. So he apparently makes an appearance there. So I've read Evelyn Hugo. Uh, I haven't read Daisy Jones and the Six. Mariana, this is your first Taylor Jenkins Reid read. Yes, this is my first Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yeah, so the book introduces us to the Riva family and the wonderful highbrow sandy beach surf lifestyle of the Hollywood Malibu elite and it's a story yeah. about the value of family, loyalty, love, social class, and with just a splash of the novelty of high society. So, yeah, with that, yeah. Mariana, how was your first Taylor Jenkins read read? So, out of all the books I've read for the second season, this was one I was most excited about. Mm. And it also happens to be my second favorite for this season. Why were you excited about it? So for starters, because it's Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like, all the books that I've heard that she wrote are always really good. And if you look at her ratings, they're very high. Yeah. And yeah, I was supposed to read Evelyn Hugo, but then, yeah, I skipped that. And I'm glad that I read this first. And I will be discussing why. I love domestic fiction. Especially when they are mysteries. But even if this is purely just historical domestic fiction, I enjoyed it nonetheless. And this also happens to be my first Taylor Jenkins read, as mentioned. And I've somehow fallen in love with her already. And this was not her best, as critics would say. 
but I'm glad that I picked this up before the others. Because it, like, I'm sure if I picked up, let's say, Daisy Jones or Evelyn Hugo, I'd be like, I with Malibu Rising. But it doesn't mean that this book is bad, okay? But this is this book is still just as good, but I'm happy that I'm on the road to, like, a better book. So, this book is set by the beach, and it makes you want to pick up your surfboard, makes you want to sunbathe. Yes, so, if you want a top-notch beach read, carry this around. If summer is your favorite season, or if you like reading about it, this is it. This is the book for you. So, in the book, there was a constant um, back and forth between the love story of the parents, June and her husband, Mike, who's a very popular singer, and it goes back to the present day with the four siblings. So yeah. there were too many characters to follow, but I would yeah. have to say that each of the characters were fleshed out well enough that you can empathize with them because you start at the beginning. Mm. So it was a whole ride seeing two eras, especially Malibu in the 1950s. So the author can really paint a whole scene for you that makes you feel like you're in it. So I remember there was a scene where someone was going on a date and it purely felt like I was on that date too. So aside from Taylor Jenkins Reid creating very strong characters, a few of them you'd love to hate, and she also creates love stories that are not cringy at all. Yeah, and it gives it a huge plus. And the best part was how fast-paced the book was and it was hard to put down. So yeah. the author is also very witty. Her choice of headlines about that actress who didn't show up in her wedding, why Tuesday couldn't cross that bridge with Bridger, and a load of... Do you remember that title? Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. a headline about yeah. that. Yeah. And a load of witty lines that you'll soon encounter in the book and she pulled out great references from time to time like down to the choice of authors that she mentioned about what the bystanders were reading yeah. so there were barely to me to me there were barely any cheesy or slow moments in the book except i found this one particular character very boring and her existence there felt so forced but i can't mention the character just yet because it would be um giving you a spoiler if i yeah but i know the character name. you're talking but anyway, about anyway <laughs> yeah you you kind of know her because you don't like her too yeah. and regardless it was very enjoyable to say the least so it took me out of a reading slump and i'm giving this read a 4.2 Ah, so people who like generous. juicy, gossipy family drama stories down to people who are looking for a well-written book for the summer, this is a go-to, I would have to say. And I feel like the reason why I rated it high, 4.2, was no offense to the past books that we've been reviewing, but this was one book that I like out of all the books that we did a review on already. Yeah. Of course, that's before... Can yeah, I yeah. say it? Yeah, it's go ahead, before go ahead. the House of the Cerulean Sea. Yeah. Because Which we I read just this before the recorded house. recorded our review for. Recorded, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, because I didn't read that yet, I found this book the best among all the all the other books that we recorded yeah. for yeah. this season. Yeah. And then there's House that, of course, tops the list. But, yeah. yeah, out of all, this was one that I really liked. That's why I gave it a 4.2. Because... I mean, in comparison to Sex and Vanity yeah. and all the others, like for me, this was already um, the decent read. Yeah. And yeah. So just to be it. upfront with our listeners, this is actually me and Mariana's second attempt at 
recording this episode for recording the podcast. this, yes. And that's because we had technical issues during the first one. Like, we had to stop our during recording first, yes. midway. And that was like, what, almost like 10 days ago or something? Almost a little over a week ago. Yeah. And um, I have yeah. to say, I have to say that over that time, my love for this book <laughs> diminished. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I was good. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, same with me. Same with me. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's because we read The House in the Cerulean Sea between that Which time was... and it's yes. a really great book. Um I think by the time you're listening to this, Cerulean Sea will already have been launched. I uh, will already have been published. That episode will already have been published. And we maybe. love Yes. We love that book. And I don't know, like this in comparison to that is so far but that's unfair because they're totally yeah. different books but I'm just saying like because of the timing of our reading schedule and our recording schedule like, yes um, the, the way that I see this book now is like the novelty has kind of worn wore off more um, off yeah this is the second book that I've read by Taylor Jenkins Reid and the first of those was The Husbands of Evelyn Hugo Hugo, so if yes. you're an avid listener, then you know how much I love that book. I actually think that the five-minute review of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is one of our best-performing episodes. Um, I'll have to yes. review our stats, but I think it is one of our best-performing episodes. If you haven't listened to that review yet, feel free to do so after listening to this episode. And I must say that a lot of the stuff that I liked in Evelyn Hugo is still present in this book. Present in this, Yeah. I think Taylor Jenkins Reid is also the first author yeah. who will be covering twice for the podcast. Is that am I correct? For the podcast, uh, no. Or do we have um, the first one was Madeline Miller? Oh right, right, right. Then, we did Madeline Miller twice. Taylor Jenkins Reid. So it's a very Taylor select Jenkins group. Street, we rarely, yes, we rarely cover do, the same do. author multiple times. Twice. So like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that we're doing Malibu Rising. And I must say that a lot of the stuff that I liked in Evelyn Hugo is still present in this book. Present in um, Malibu Rising. That's good to yeah. hear. Even though I haven't read Daisy Jones and the Six, which was published in 2019, from what I know, it's also set within the same universe. So Reed is taking this approach to her books wherein her stories are somewhat yeah. intertwined and overlap, like the characters and timelines overlap. There are a few callbacks to the Evelyn Hugo story with a few references to certain characters here and there. However, without giving too much away, I can tell you that you can still enjoy Malibu Rising without having read of any of Reed's previous works. Like You don't have to be familiar yes. with the Evelyn Hugo story or the Daisy Jones story in to order for you to, to read it. Malibu Rising. Uh, it's yes. a story that stands on its own. So. Yeah. It's interesting because with Evelyn Hugo, that was a story that was intricately woven to span like five or six decades, I think. Decades, yes. Uh, on the other hand, with Malibu Rising, the entire plot takes place in one night, as I've mentioned. Um, although, yeah. of course, there are detailed flashbacks into specific story arcs. Like, as Mariana mentioned, we are brought back to the 1950s Malibu aesthetic. <laughs> um, and it gives readers a better appreciation for everything that's going on in the present. And right yes. off the bat, the first thing that I can say about Taylor Jenkins Reid is that she's a very skilled storyteller. And by storyteller, I mean that she has a way with her writing that allows you to just effortlessly tag along for the ride. Like, for the it, ride. it felt yeah. like you were tagging along for the ride. 
It was the same reading experience I had with Evelyn Hugo. It was a page turner, not as much as Ceruliancy, but um, Malibu okay. Rising still is a page turner. And I yeah. couldn't put the book down, and I finished it faster than I thought that I would. Uh, her yeah, writing, although not without its occasional indulgence into exposition and fluff, like you know, there are some some parts, but it's still mostly direct very intentional very methodical she's very good at pacing and i always felt yeah. attached to the story all throughout like not at not at no point in the storytelling was i like uh, i'm getting bored like none of that it was yeah. very well paced all throughout um another strength that this book has is its character makeup um it's not perfect mm-hmm. the character development of this book is still really really good uh, you can only develop your character so much when the main story is taking place over the course of one night. But Reed uh-huh. was still able to execute it well for the most part. However, as Mariana mentioned, there is one character in particular who I feel like wrecked the story significantly more than was actually necessary. We'll get into that yeah. later. Um, there were some subplots that part. weren't like that like that shouldn't have been there. They were fluff. It's fluff content. Um, uh-huh. They weren't necessary. They didn't add anything to the reading experience. In fact, they made it kind of irritating, uh, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, but for yes. the most part, uh, the main characters in particular are very well crafted. The book is well, again, it's well paced. Uh, story-wise, it's not the best. Like it's not mind-blowingly good. The story isn't like mind-blowingly good. It is domestic fiction, and you can only do so mm-hmm. much with that. But it does delve into some pretty serious themes without taking itself too seriously. It's such an easy read, and the entire experience is so effortless. Um, with how, but I have to say that with how good the book started off really well. Like it started off really well. Like it's so easy to just like sink your teeth into it right away, um, uh-huh. and the pacing was good right off the bat. I have to say that like the ending was kind of underwhelming. Um, anticlimactic maybe uh, it felt kind of rushed maybe it was because maybe. I read it too quickly maybe 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 I just read it too quickly like I couldn't I really couldn't put the book down so I just breezed through it maybe it was because of me I'm not sure um, it's hard to review this book without painting it against her previous work Evelyn Hugo which I love I love 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 Evelyn Hugo I honestly think that that book is a future classic and I know it's always unfair to Mm -hmm. judge a book against an author's previous work but Malibu Rising serves a lot like a spin-off of the Evelyn Hugo story arc and that's why it's hard not to compare the books Um, they're not on the same level like not the same level you know how like Friends was like this really popular sitcom and then like everyone loved it and it was so adored and well loved and yeah. then they spun off and made like a spin-off called Joey where like it's still set in the same universe but you know it's not the same and it just follows one oh. character from the original friends and it's like really underwhelming it's kind of like yeah. that for me here like because of how one. much I loved Malibu. Evelyn yes. Hugo and how kind of underwhelming Malibu Rising is Everything like was, on yes. its own Malibu Rising would be a good book but if you compare it to Evelyn Hugo, it's like, well, it's, it's, It'll like, lose it's, it's set up to yeah. lose. It's set up to lose. Um, yeah, there's no definitely. winning. Yeah. Um, but at least it's just both of her work. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why. Um, uh, 
it, it's it's a little far, like especially in terms of character development and story depth. But at the end of the day, I can still say that Malibu Rising is an enjoyable read, and that's the definitely, goal of any book. It should be enjoyable, and I would definitely brand it as good fiction. It's a nice book to help any. Well, it brought me out of a slump personally. It brought me out yeah. of a slump, so maybe it might help you get out of a slump because it's so light. It's so easy to get into. It's so immersive. Yes. It's a guilty pleasure type of book, especially if you're like a f- yeah, again is, a, f- a fan of like the beach aesthetic and all of that. Yeah. I remember I messaged you. I was like, I want to book a trip to Shargao and start surfing yes. <laughs> because of this book. Because um, of this. Do you surf, Mariana? You surf, I mean, right? I've tried surfing. No, no, no. I mean, like I don't surf because I'm not in Shargao. But surf. like, um, yeah. When I was in Shargao, I surfed. Yeah. yeah, I surfed a lot when yeah. I was in Shargao. It was like when Surfing's I learned it. I was book. like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is a big deal. Yeah. Like, but surfing, naman, yeah. once you surf, I don't know. Like to me, lang morag na addict. It's like morag na addict. Yeah. Like it's some something right. na right. addict. So when I was there, I yeah. was like surfing every day because I was like, oh my god, yeah. this is such a fun thing to do. Yeah, because it's relatively easy to learn. Yeah, like at the start, but it's so hard to perfect. And, and of it's, course, that's definitely. why it's like really addicting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so it's, the but, thrill, but the like hype. it's easy to pick up at first. Yeah. This book was like so good at like capturing the essence of like being at the beach yeah, and that setting, whole lifestyle right? and all of like, that. So like maybe it appeals to us because we are island children, like we maybe. live on an island and yeah, like yeah. Perhaps. So I, again, it's not a mind blowing book for me. It might end up being quite forgettable. It's sad because <sighs> there are books that are fast paced, um, and they're they're gossipy and they're like really flashy like maybe sex and vanity is a good uh, example of that but but they still manage to be but there are also books that like manage to be entertaining yeah. without any of the complex baggage and then there are also those books that are like really deep and serious and uh-huh. like they require really thorough analysis so like what are these like the catcher in the rise the norwegian woods you know those kinds of books and i feel like this book is like a good in between like it's not really so heavy to the point where like you really have to concentrate uh-huh. while reading it but it's also not so light wherein you feel like i'm an idiot reading yes this exactly book. like it's a it's good it's a, a good a mix of midway yes. that's why i think i would rate it somewhere around like 3.75 out of 5 uh, not my favorite from this year maybe might that's be one of the you. lowest so far for this year um I mean, it's not the bad no, it's score. Not your it's just not the best. You want to go into our context surrounding the book? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. All right. So, Reed's books are interesting because... Uh, so, with Evelyn Hugo, you get the protagonist being a Hollywood starlet. Mm. So, think of someone like a Meryl Streep, like a Jennifer Lawrence, or like a Emma Stone-level kind of fame. And then, with Daisy Jones in The Six, you get a glimpse into like the life of being in a rock band. So, you're yeah. touring... Uh, around the world, the country, you're in like buses and like gigs and all of that. And then with Malibu Rising, we're given a glimpse into the life of Mick Riva, who is uh, what successful is he? He's a singer. renowned singer. Yeah. Yeah. And the, so, what is he like? A like a Frank Sinatra kind of vibe, right? Kind of no, something kind of like that. Give Give something. Give someone um, major recent. Modern. Major modern. Uh, I don't know. Like a Harry is Harry Styles. I don't know. I don't listen to. Is Harry Styles a good example? But not um, as not like no, Michael not really Jackson. Not that type no. of music, but that level of fame. But that level of you fame, think supposedly, Michael Jackson right? Like, would, like, McRiva? yeah, something like that. Yeah, 
something like that level of fame not necessarily like, like the same kind of musician but, but like that level love. of fame like known around the world oh i have a question to ask you sorry yeah go ahead go ahead so when you first there there was a scene in the book where mick riva sings to his date mm. what yeah came into your head what genre came into your head ballad love song I always country like, pop I always thought it was like a reggae crooner style like Frank Sinatra like uh, Michael Bublé kind of music that's mm, that's how I envisioned it, Mick yeah, Riva yeah. cuz it's not really mentioned right it's not really mentioned yeah it's not it's not why what 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 was in your mind <laughs> country <laughs> like Country? country, but not super country. It's like yeah. Johnny Cash. No, no, like country, na Taylor Swift country. You know how Taylor Swift is not super country, but kind of heading there. Right, right. I get, I get, like a, like a Carrie Underwood, Tim McGraw yeah. kind of style. <laughs> Carrie Underwood, yeah. So okay, no, I get it. I get it. That's interesting like, how we like have different yeah. takes of what kind of musician he is. Oh wait, yeah. That that and guy, but in ano? Yeah. That what do you call that? That that Lady Gaga movie. Where the guy's a drunk. Ah, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Was it? I think it was country. Yeah, and then you have Nina Riva, who like these days would be like the equivalent of like an Instagram model who's famous because yeah. she's hot, essentially. Yeah. Like that's. A, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. She's famous <laughs> because, because she's, she's hot. hot. Yes. And essentially, like, um, these are all varying kinds of pop culture uh, what tropes right yeah they're, they're pop culture tropes um, so you have the Hollywood starlet you have the rocker you have like the popular singer the model and it this is this is a theme that's constantly brought out in Reed's books because she is interested in exploring escapist fiction okay with a dose of complexity so now this is a quote from Reed about Malibu Rising she says now with Instagram and Facebook that's what everyone's doing she said we're all putting forth a story about our lives that is not exactly our life what I'm interested in is the difference between the truth and the myth so yeah we see all of these Instagram models we see these actresses and Hollywood starlets and all of them and we create narratives of them in our head but we don't really know like we don't really know what it's like to be in a relationship with taylor swift or we don't really know what what it's like to have depression and you're like the world's most popular actor like we don't know like we speculate but we don't know um and this book is like that it it allows us to escape into the lives of these people who would be otherwise inaccessible to us even though they are fictional right um so reed studied film and television uh, that gives us insight into her self-confessed obsession with pop culture. Uh-huh. Her book, Daisy Jones and the Six, was picked up by the Hello Sunshine Company. It was Reese Witherspoon's old um, studio for a limited series. And Malibu Rising uh. has been picked up by Hulu for a limited series. Oh, God. So it will be executive produced by... Liz Tigilar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. And she's the person responsible for adapting Reese's uh, Little Fires Everywhere oh into God, a series. So, nice. so she has experience in adapting books for a series. I haven't seen that series, although I've read the book. It's an okay book. So I'm excited to see what they'll do with Malibu Rising. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. They had they don't have any news yet as to who they're casting for, for Malibu one. Rising, and I'm happy that they did it as a limited series because yeah. I feel like it would be too much for too a much movie. Too much if you make it, yeah. Because of the because of the flashbacks, like there are so many flashbacks. So yeah, uh, that's essentially it for our context surrounding the book. Maybe um, if you're interested in listening to the spoilery portions of the book or if you've already read the book then feel free to join us in the second part but for now we're gonna take a break and we'll talk to you again later this concludes the spoiler free portion of the episode if you haven't read the book or if you plan on reading it in the future then come back and join us for the conversation in the second part Alright, and now we're back and we are starting with the quotes. Right. <laughs> so I actually only have favorite uh, my favorite quotes are like just two. Two? <laughs> see, see. Yeah, I only have the first one is actually from the prologue. Yeah. I really liked the prologue. I really, really like the prologue. It's like a very creative piece. Okay. First line, it says, Malibu catches fire. Like, that's the first sentence. Like, the, I, that's not my favorite quote, but um, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying why, why the prologue is so impactful. It's like, Malibu catches fire. It's, and then my favorite quote is at the end. Um, the, the, the last sentence is, Because just as, it, just as it is in Malibu's nature to burn, so was it in one particular person's nature to set fire and walk away. And I like yeah. how that's how she prefaces. That's how she ends the prologue. And it creates a sense of intrigue and it automatically hooks you in as a reader. Yeah. And now that you go back to the quote, knowing who she's talking about and knowing what the story is, it's like it paints that quote in a new light. And I love it. Yeah. I think writers should pay more attention to how they craft their prologues. Their prologues yes. I am a sucker for well for a well written prologue. prologue. Same. Um and this is one that. of them. Yeah. All right, so I only have one quote next. Okay. So one quote left. So maybe you can go before I go for my last one. Okay, so now that I read my notes, I actually have just one quote. Oh, okay. So it goes like... I hope it's not the same as mine. I, I don't think so. I think this is a... Um, okay. This quote refers to um, June, the mom. And it goes like... Hmm. Why were all her mistakes that had been so hidden from her as she was making them so clear to her now? So, this was not a quote, but a line that perfectly describes our main character. Nina? June. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) Wait, you think June is the main character? Loki. Like, she's also part. Like, okay, okay, so there are two eras. That's interesting. So, I also... So, there are two eras, and then I found June, the main character for the other era, and Nina... Okay, for, I get it. Yeah. For the present day. I have to the eye. Okay, okay, I get it. So you want to start first yeah. before I say my last quote in case if it's not a duplicate of yours? Yeah, but uh, maybe we can talk about June first. Okay. And I think because she's such a... Uh, she's a polarizing character because at some at certain points, like you love her, you feel bad for her. But then yeah. also at other points, you're like, what the... Have some self-respect. Yes. I, I found it really frustrating that like she got she let her pride get to her and she just wouldn't accept McRiva's money because oh, yeah. of her pride. Was it because of her pride? I Definitely. don't know. I, I, I never mean, really understood that. Well, 
Yeah, but like you're letting your ego get in the way of your kids having a comfortable life, right? Yeah. Like, isn't that selfish? It it was it was selfish, and the fact that she had to I know I, sh- I we do not have the right to say this, right? But the fact that she had to crumble and like give all the responsibility to the to the to Nina to Nina the eldest daughter yeah. it was just yeah. so unfair like Not i get fair. that your life is heartbreaking so this and that but it was just so unfair for the firstborn because she yeah. ended up not even even able to finish school things like that like it was yeah. just that was when like i really liked june at first but then when that happened i don't know like i slowly did not i yeah i slowly did not appreciate but, her character yeah. after that but like um like in fairness to june like there were certain like for example the moment she took cod in and decided like she made the choice to be like i'm going to love this baby even yeah. though he's not mine like i loved that scene i loved oh, yes, that moment definitely. because it gave june like it it takes a lot to be able to do that right yeah like to acknowledge your husband's baby with another lover and claim that child as, as your yours own, and raise it even though you didn't have to like amazing amazing um but i mean like i like maybe it's good that like we get to see a side of jude that yeah. we don't like also like like her pride and her ego she ended up a sad death a very tragic death and um she didn't have the best life but Uh, I mean, I guess that's life for a lot of people also. Like, yeah. that's the sad reality for a lot of people. It's not always going to be like, our heroes are not always going to, to win, have a good yeah. life, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, sometimes people like McRiva win, uh, unfortunately, as, as sad as it sounds. Um, Most and of the time. Yeah, we'll get to Mick later because, oh my God, uh, that fuck that guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh God. I think we, treat, we tweeted that, like, oh my God, worst, worst, worst character ever. <laughs> But, Um, I actually my next quote is kind of connected to Mick, so maybe I'll just get into okay. it. But but if the goal for any generation is to do better than the one before them, then Mick had succeeded. He had given his children more than he had ever been given. He reminded himself of this as his feet hit the sand. He was not so bad. So what do you think about that quote? Is Mick redeemed because he was able to quote unquote make his children's lives better than what he, than the life he had? No, it was like more of like ano na lang um to redeem yeah bare minimum yeah bare minimum like parang sana consuelo de bobo ba you know that that line yeah namarag yeah you were really silver lining yeah silver lining because you were really a shit father you're just like taking koana lang taking credit for that little thing that's not supposed yeah. to be taken credit for yeah. because you suck you yeah. know they could have been better people yeah, maybe we could um break this line down even further because it says like uh if the if the goal for any generation is to do better than the one before them then mick has succeeded do you think that's the goal for any generation like to do better than the one before them Yeah, I guess. Because I feel like that's such a low bar. Because technically, yeah, Mick did give his children a better life than he had as a child. But he didn't give them the best, the best life, life that exactly. he possibly could have. 
which they deserve. And I feel like that's the goal. Yeah. I think that's the goal for any parent. It's not about just giving them what's better than what you had. It's about giving them the best that you actually can. can. Yeah. And Mick failed to do terribly on that on part. That, yeah. He's such a horrible human being. Like, I don't know if there are actually people who are like that. But yeah. parents. So those are my two quotes. Maybe you want to round this out. So my last quote is, well, it's not really a quote. It's another line. Um, it goes, she was efficient rather than perfect. That was the line. And it perfectly encapsulates Lena, our main character, and how she gets things done. And, oh, you know how... Yeah, I love her. I love Nina. Super. Love, love, love Nina. Super. Yeah. And you know how some people always strive for perfection? And this one, at least, gets the job done. And sometimes... Just getting things done. Yeah. yeah just getting things sometimes done. Sometimes it's more important than perfection. And I've encountered another yeah. quote just like this super recently. And A job badly done is better than, than not, not getting doing it, it done to at begin all. with. So exactly. Yeah. So that's why yeah. I yeah. like that line. Do you want to move on to our... That's, I mean... Oh, sorry, sorry. Moments. Go, go, go. Go, go. No, no, no. I was just about to say that, like, I, that I really like that you brought that up because Nina is my favorite character in the book. Yes. Um, she is the most selfless out of all of them. And I like her her character development the most because uh-huh. I think she takes the greatest leap out of any other character. Definitely. And maybe we can get into that into our moments, like if, if you want to move into that already. So um, maybe I can start. Okay. I'm just going to bring up the moment where, I mean, I've already brought this up, but it's the moment where June commits to being Hud's mom. Yeah. And I just want to read that entire segment. Okay. So... It was then June holding the strange boy in her hand, staring at him, trying to process just what exactly was happening to them both. That she understood everything was far more simple than she was making it. This boy needed someone to love him, and she could do that. That would be a very easy thing for her to do. She pulled him close to her, as close as she could, as close as she'd held her own babies in the days that they were born. She held him tight, and she put her cheek to his head, and she could feel him start to calm. And then, even before he was silent, Jude had al- June had already made up her mind. I will love you, June told him, and she did. Oh, very nice. Well, I, again, um, we talked about it already, so there's no need to belabor it. But it's such an awesome part of June's entire story. Like She's taken so much shit from that shitty husband, yeah. and she still manages to do this. Like Amazing, amazing woman. <sighs> So you it's so funny because you know like your favorite moment is like a redeeming moment for June and how how good she is and it's just so funny because my yeah. moment shows how much of a bad mother she was at the later okay, parts go, of go, her go, being go, a go, mom go. so it's I'm excited yeah it's hard be- it's hard to pick a scene because nothing stood out to me and like what Stands Jet out, mentioned yeah, yeah. Um, it's something that you um slowly forget in the coming weeks so um i'm going for one that was mundane to most but i found it rather powerful it was when their mother almost burned kit's hair with their cigarette and because of that that yeah. that scene yeah. drew the line that was when she started drinking yeah and that scene um, made yeah. everything like clear as day that she was an alcoholic and that she was not um, the great mom she once was. And I loved the part yeah. where they all realized that 
their mother was an alcoholic and they were all helping each other stay safe from it. Like, remember how Nina decided to learn how to drive and they decided mm. to get get out of the house and to buy milk and to help their mother. And yeah. it was... I don't think Nina was even legally allowed, allowed to drive, to drive. On her Exactly. Own. Like, she wasn't that young. She wasn't that, that old yet. old yeah. to drive. And then, I like that scene because it was also the scene that um, made every sibling bond. Na parang they were really helping yeah. each other and all yeah. that. And... Yeah. And like you can see the loyalty yeah. of each of the sibling. So yeah, June was a good mother yeah. that um, but she had problems. Yeah, she had problems. She was not a bad mother. She was a really good mom, but she was just an alcoholic she, and accidents happen and yeah, she just yeah. had her negative side in her a but terrible husband. Yeah, a terrible <laughs> husband, but that doesn't yeah. make her a bad mom, but it but I just really like yeah. that part when she almost burns Kit's hair. That was yeah. like my favorite scene because yeah. it did um a lot of things um bloomed because of that scene. There's one particular moment that I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. So I want to ask you, how do you feel about Mick actually showing up to the party? Like at one point in the book, I was content with of him like not Mick ever just not up. ever seeing his kids again. Yeah, like like he's not part of the story anymore. Like he left. June the last time and like that's it we're never gonna hear from him again and then suddenly he pops he shows up at the party he decides to show up at the party and I didn't have enough time to process how I felt about that so I wanna know how you feel well his character is like um you know that cheating ex you have or like not the man cheating ex but an ex that you have (laughs) like um Mick is like an ex you have comes back when it's convenient for them because they were not ready for that mm, relationship and like right, he's right, that ex who right. keeps coming back thinking he's ready blah 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 so that's how yeah. I found Mick yeah. and like exes like that are really just like when they're unsure they're really just more decorations of your life like another dramatic decoration that shouldn't even be given time of day so I feel like that's who Mick was like an unimportant individual who just comes back when it's convenient and that's like not really important yeah because he has this quote that like i'm not sure how i like i tried to put myself into the 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 shoes of the kids and he says my parents weren't ever able to tell me that and so i've never been sure but i'm here right now and i can make sure you know you deserve better you deserve the world like he tells that to his kids so I'm thinking, like, does this guy understand just how shitty of a guy he really is? And, like, is he genuinely uh, remorseful? Yeah. Or is this yeah. just his or way of, like, saying that. sneaking himself in again? Yeah, exactly. Because like, he's done it before. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really hard. It's really hard to trust a guy like that. Like that. Like because, makes, like, he's, he's said the flowery words in the past and, like, they ended up not meaning anything. Exactly. So, like, him coming back, like I don't know if it was Reed's intention to be like to, yeah. have him redeem himself or because if it if that was the intention it wasn't very good I didn't feel like he was redeemed like fuck that guy like, yeah, and I feel like M- Nina was also the same like she felt the same like yeah. a lot of the kids felt the same yeah so that's the last moment that I wanted to bring up maybe you have something else I have no more final thoughts and no more moments. So if you want to be the one to wrap this up, go ahead. Uh, no, let's talk about our netpick, Casey Green. 
oh shit see that's how much we don't like yeah. this character we forgot about her um yeah so um she's the girl who's like apparently mixed daughter from another woman who shows up and it wasn't even short okay maybe you wanna yeah so you go ahead you 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 say why you don't like her role in the story okay so first of all she was such a boring character and bland bland, bland. and then it was like she, you know how you have an annoying. Uh, we wouldn't know because we're only children, but she is like an annoying yeah. sibling. Like, you know, like Nina was undergoing so much stress. A lot of things were happening. They're in the middle of the party, but this stupid character was whining about her problems in the past, and more about like she doesn't yeah. get social cues she thinks she's the main character yeah like what the <laughs> heck like maybe she was expecting yeah. um a, a family that will like maybe she was expecting a dramatic get together that did not happen yeah. that did happen kind of yeah. but yeah that's why I found her well, so annoying not as so dramatic. dramatic oh like it yeah. was so uncalled for yeah. like and we weren't even sure the thing is we weren't even sure if this person is Mick Rivas' kid yeah. So apparently, yeah. they had a lot nah. of problems. Nah, for there me, with like, you. this didn't. This shouldn't have been added. Period. Yeah, I feel like she was only added merely to point out to the audience that, like, yes, Mick has Hud, who is like this woman, this child he has with another woman outside of June. Yeah. But then, um, I think Casey was added into the mix to be like, oh, but Hud's not the only child that Mick has had with other women. It's yeah. possible like he's had dozens of children with other women. We may not know about them. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a novelty thing to add. And like it added really nothing to the story because Hud already played that part. part like he's yeah. the kid who represents like the kids who, you know, like Mick has birthed quote-unquote birthed a while on the road as a singer yeah so i feel like she's just a redundant less developed version of hud and that's why i don't like her yeah like and again she i've it she yeah so forced so weird yeah, so forced because like you already like have this um um this perception of mick that obviously this guy has a lot of kids from different women like Without having yeah. to present this new character, we already know that. We already uh, know that. There's also another thing. One last nitpick that I want to bring up okay. is the whole logistics of that party. So supposedly, <laughs> like this is like a Gatsby-esque party, right? Yes. Like, if you know about this party, you're invited. Just show up. So it's kind of like that, right? Yeah. Um, so we're supposed to believe that like a group of A-list Hollywood superstars would willingly mingle with surfers in a house party like yeah would, is that something that would really happen i couldn't Wrap maybe they it. could have gotten away with it in the age where there wasn't social media but it's not like this was like in the 50s this is like 80s 90s so like yeah. communication was kind of developed already at the time and yeah i don't know i just found it kind of unrealistic unrealistic like okay hollywood's wrong. elite would yeah. be willing to like it would have been fine if like um young Hollywood elite, but these were like older like up and people. coming, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These were like yeah. older people who were I, established. Like, I don't really see the point of them trying to hang out with these kids. Is it because Mick yeah, Riva's like, so, like, You can like, go to much better parties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of unrealistic, that part of it. Um, it It's not something that really, really bothered me. Like, it didn't destroy the reading experience. But, you know, it was still back of the mind. Yeah. It's something that, like, I constantly thought of. But... Yeah, those are the nitpicks. Um, maybe we could try to wrap this review up in a more positive tone because it is a good book. Still. Yeah. It's not bad. It's really not bad. It's really not bad. It's just, it's kind of messy in certain parts, but for the most part, it's interesting. It's engaging. Um, again, Mariana and I both finished it really quickly because and of how immersive it. it was. Yeah, and we really liked it. And we it. liked it. Yeah, we, we enjoyed the reading experience it's just that it just wasn't the best it's, yeah. it's not the best so don't go expecting yourself to get your mind blown but if you have extra time and the extra budget to read a book and then this happens this. to be one of the options go for it yeah. go for it it's okay it's it's you won't it's not going to be a waste of time yeah uh taylor jenkins reed is a very talented writer i'm going to read Daisy Jones and the Six because I want to be updated on this trilogy. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to know what happens yes. in that book as well. You're not just not really a trilogy, but I want to know what happens in that book. Yeah. And yeah, um, I still believe in her as a writer. I'm still going to eat up on anything that she's gonna write Definitely. in the future. Yes. Um, how about you, Mariana? Do you have anything else you wanna bring up? I'm gonna read Daisy Jones first and then I'm gonna read Evelyn Hugo. It's like a stare. So, um, again, we'd like to remind everyone we have a five-minute review of Evelyn Hugo on the yes, podcast. Yes, yes. So, please do listen to that after you're you're done listening to this. And I guess we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, Mariana, is there anything you want to message you want to leave our listeners? Anything you want to plug? None. All right. So, I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode thank you for, of yes, Fiction thank Friends. Thank you for always listening. Uh, let's tune in for the rest of season two. We still have a lot of more guests joining Coming us in, for the yes. podcast. A bunch of fiction friends. Um, uh, some of them are content creators, so you may be familiar with them. Yeah. Actually, I think all of our guests are content creators. creators. So this is going to be exciting. Yeah. yeah. One even runs um, two. Two uh, of them. They run podcasts. Their own podcast. Yeah, their own yeah. podcast. All right. So um, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll... See you around again. Yeah, on our next one. Bye-bye. Bye.